We're going to be starting a new series now, um, and the first part of it, uh, we're reading from Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from, from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this, that chariot. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Father God, we, we just thank you for that, that lovely story of how the eunuch um, came to faith in you. And we ask, Lord, that you will anoint Martin with, with his, your spirit as he comes to speak to us. And just open our hearts, our minds, because we want to hear from you this morning. And more than just hearing, we want to know what you're asking us to do because of what we hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, uh, Alison, for leading us so well this morning. And it's great to hear real passion in prayer and uh, hope we'll have that again tonight as we pray for the situation in, in Ukraine. Um, I call this, it's all about Jesus. It's, it's very tempting um, when you get what's happening in the news to kind of change direction and think, well, should I preach um, on war or whatever? But actually, I felt God was saying, no, you need to preach on what you plan to preach on. You need to stay with what you were going to preach on. So I am. And today we start a new series in Isaiah 52 and 53. We're looking at the glory and suffering of Jesus, the servant king. Um, 
You might say, well, why aren't you reading from Isaiah? Why are you reading from the New Testament? Well, because this passage um, was resulted in a man, an Ethiopian, coming to know Christ by reading it. He needed help from an evangelist called Philip. But through Philip and Isaiah 53, this man comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So the Old Testament can point people to Jesus just as much as the New Testament. So I'm going to start with Acts chapter 8 today, and then next week we'll be looking at Isaiah 52 and uh, 53. Brief summary of the story. This Ethiopian man is on his way home from a Jewish festival, and uh, he's reading Isaiah 53 about Jesus, the suffering servant, but he doesn't know it's about Jesus. He's confused. He's hearing about this or reading about this mysterious servant figure who will suffer and die for the sins of the people, but he really doesn't know what it's about. And at that time, the Holy Spirit prompts Philip to go to this chariot and walk along next to it. And we, we learned that the Ethiopian was reading verses 7 to 8 of Isaiah's prophecy. Um, here are the verses. He was led like a lamb, like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And I guess the Ethiopian was wondering about who on earth is this person being led like a sheep to the slaughter? Who is this person whose life will be taken? He didn't understand. So Philip is prompted to come alongside and explain. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip began there, and I'd imagine he used a lot of Old Testament passages to show how Isaiah and the whole of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, and he led the man to faith in Jesus. Interestingly, this is not the only direct reference to Isaiah 53 being all about Jesus. Um, Jesus himself said that he was the fulfillment of the suffering servant. Um, listen to Luke 22, verse 37. Jesus, this is Jesus. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Now that's verse 12 from Isaiah 53. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. So Jesus is saying he will be numbered among the transgressors. In other words, he will be sentenced as a criminal to die on a cross. And his death is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Well, you might say, well, that's all very well and interesting, Martin. But most people I know are not reading Isaiah 53 and wondering who the suffering servant is. Most people, like the Ethiopian, are not, you know, they're not God-fearers. They're not sort of that close to God. This man, this Ethiopian, was clearly a God-fearer. He was worshipping the God of the Jews, but he hadn't come to know Jesus yet. So what's all this got to do with us today? Well, Luke is giving us a, a snapshot of a personal conversation because he wants you and me to have personal conversations with people about Jesus. 
Um, the reason we asked um, Katie and Vicky to come and share this morning is because sometimes those conversations are really simple, right? It's not rocket science. Why are you being baptized? Someone might say, you've been baptized as a baby. So why be baptized again? There is a moment of evangelism, isn't it? That's a conversation that you can use to point people to Jesus, right? Um, will you come to my baptism? Yes. Now that's an evangelistic conversation because at the baptism, they will be telling their story of how they came to know Jesus. So all their family and friends will be here hearing about how they came to know Jesus. That's evangelism, isn't it? Not rocket science, easy. So I want us to learn some lessons from Philip about personal evangelism. First, I've got more than three points. I'll get through them as quickly as I can. First, we learn that personal evangelism is about obeying the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. We don't know how the Holy Spirit told Philip. We're not told. Was it an audible voice? Was it a voice in his mind? We don't know. It could have been any of those things. Or was it a kind of compulsion? Did he, did he feel, yeah, I've got to go and near that chariot? We, we don't know. Um, sometimes God speaks to us in an audible voice. Um, rarely, in my experience, but he does. Sometimes he does. Sometimes it's a, it's a kind of compulsion, isn't it? We feel drawn to a conversation with somebody. Sometimes we feel the Holy Spirit kind of compels us to go and open up a conversation with someone, and we don't really know why. We're kind of drawn into a conversation. Um, a few weeks ago, me and Sarah on a Sunday afternoon were walking um, down the river um, in Ripley, and we bumped into one of Sarah's work colleagues and her husband. So immediately, Sarah and uh, the work colleague got involved in a conversation. I'd never met the husband before, so I did that awkward hopping from foot to foot thing, looking down at the ground, thinking, Sunday afternoon, I'm tired, I just want to chill, I don't want a conversation. I don't know this guy from Adam, right? I'm not bothered, all right? I just want to chill. And I felt it wasn't a voice that said, you, thou must speaketh to this man, Martin. It was an inner compulsion. You need to, it was just, all I can say was I felt I needed to go and have a chat, right? That was all it was. So I did. I, I, I didn't want to, but I went over to him and I said, hello, I'm Martin. And he said, oh, I'm so-and-so. I can't even remember the guy's name. Sorry? Colin. He said, his next question was, what do you do? Which is pretty direct. And I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, he said, I've just done Alpha. I said, where was that? He said, oh, in the, the local church in West Horsley. And we, I'll get into more of the conversation later, but it just went from one thing to another. We got talking about the gospel, about the cross, about Jesus. I didn't want to have a conversation with the guy, right? I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I don't do, I'm not forward. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just kind of goes, yeah, you're going to have to have a conversation. And you don't know where it's going to go, right? Sometimes I've even crossed the road to have a conversation with people because I feel the Holy Spirit has said, I want you to go and have a conversation with that person. And I've no idea why. 
Are we open to the Holy Spirit? Are we listening for the voice, the prompting, the compulsion of the Holy Spirit? Because God wants you and I to have conversations with people about Jesus, doesn't he? So he's going to send you out of your comfort zone at times. You're going to have conversations when you don't want to have them because Jesus is working to a different timetable to you and me. It's going to be inconvenient. Number two, the second thing we learn about personal evangelism, the Holy Spirit already prepares people for a conversation, right? He goes ahead of us. We don't know where the conversation's going to lead, but when the Holy Spirit draws you to have a conversation with somebody, you just got to go with it. Um, we, um, we got into, we, we, amongst the conversation, I got talking to him about fish in the in the river as well that went that got in there all kinds it took loads of twists and turns but then he brought it back and he wanted to know the difference between muslims and christians between baptists and anglicans so we, we went all over the place it was all the holy spirit we were simply i was simply joining in the conversation that the holy spirit was already having in this guy right third i told you i'd be quick we learn that personal evangelism is start by asking questions. Um, notice Philip doesn't dive in by saying that the Holy Spirit sent him to speak to the Ethiopian. He could have gone, hey, I was in a prayer meeting, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch, and the Holy Spirit told me that I needed to speak to you. So here I am. Oh. No, look, look at what happens. Verse 30. Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? It's a question. Opens it up the conversation, doesn't it? Um, the man I spoke to, Colin, right? He said, I've just done an alpha course. I could have gone, oh, that's nice. <laughs> right? That would, have been, that would have been bottling it, wouldn't it? It's obvious, isn't it? If the Holy Spirit's at work in someone, you go, well, how was that? And he told me. He said, there were bits I understood, there were bits I don't understand. I said, oh, which bits didn't you understand? And he said, well, I'm not, still not sure about the Trinity. I said, well, nor am I. You're in good company. But I said, the Trinity, you know, Jesus is... is uh, you know, God came to earth in the form of Jesus. You don't have to be a theologian for this stuff, do you, by the way? You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, we be and he said, well, how's that different from Muslims? And I said, well, you know, Muslims believe that Jesus was not fully God and fully human, that he was only a prophet. And the conversation just kind of, it was all about his questions. And that's fine, isn't it? Um, I didn't pull a tract out my back pocket and go, right, Colin, hang on a minute, which questions, where does this appear on my list of 10 evangelistic questions? You just go with the questions that he's got, right? And you ask him questions. Tell me about that, Colin. That's interesting. How did you find that? What didn't you understand? It's a conversation, isn't it, evangelism? Fourth, we're getting there. We learn that evangelism is using the Bible to point people to Jesus. Um, 
I was able to share the gospel with this man because he, he, he said to me, well, how are Baptists different to Anglicans? And my main thing is I said, well, some Anglicans baptize believers because you've got to be honest and truthful. Let's not caricature other churches. But I said, we only baptize believers. Oh, he said. I said, do you want to know what that means? He said, yeah. So I said, well, you know, when somebody goes under the water in the pool, which Vicky and uh, Katie and Pete and David will do, they die to sin by going, the water covers them over like a tomb. And then they, they're brought straight back up out of the water, which signifies their new life for being raised up with Christ. And I, all this was going on while we were walking down the path, right? So I was able to share the gospel with him. You know, simple explanation of the scripture. This is why we're doing the Bible course, folks. We want you to have the confidence to be able to handle scripture, the whole of the Bible from Genesis Revelation, so that you can point people to Jesus. That's why we're doing the Bible course. We want you to be utterly confident to know the big story and how the whole Bible fits together so that when people ask you questions, you can point them to Jesus. Yeah? Does that make sense? It's about confidence. Um, some of you I'm feeling are going, yeah, but people are not really asking questions about the Bible. Wrong. Um, I asked Mark and the team on a Monday night at uh, Emerge, I said, how do you organize your curriculum? And they said, it's easy. We ask the kids what they want to study. And here's a list of the questions. Here's some of the questions that the kids aged eight to 11 in Monday Night Emerge wanted to study, right? This is what they told the leaders they wanted to study or some of them. Listen to this. Did the Big Bang create the world? These are eight-year-olds. How did Noah get all the animals in the ark? How did Jesus feed 5,000 plus people? Where did God come from? How did Moses part the Red Sea? There's a song about that, isn't it? In the plagues, where did all the locusts and frogs come from and where did they go? Great question. How were humans created if we didn't come from apes? What evidence is there for God? That's only half of them, by the way. They've got a curriculum out of this. These are the questions that the children wanted to talk about. Do you notice how faith-centered and Bible-centered they are? Children are interested in the Bible and in faith. They want to talk about the tough, hard questions that maybe you and I would shy away from, right? And the world out there is interested. And they're going to be even more interested now with war in Europe. I was with my brother-in-law yesterday and we were walking around London and there were Ukrainian protesters outside the Russian embassy with police everywhere. It was, it was chaos. But he, he was, he, he's a policeman, right? Big six foot six policeman and he's afraid. He's afraid because he doesn't have the faith that I do that God is on the throne. And people are afraid at the moment. We can pray. We can rest and trust in God. You know, we're afraid as well, but we have an answer. We have a God who is sovereignly working out his purpose. 
and we can pray and seek him and stand firm in the battle. Other people out there are really afraid and they're insecure. They don't have answers. And they're going to ask you and me questions and there's going to be opportunities to talk about Christ going forward, right? More and more. So let's pray. Now, I don't, I don't, please don't hear me wrong. I, I, I want to pray with compassion and we will for Ukraine. But there's a bigger picture here. God is at work mysteriously here and he's going to raise up questions. He's moving in people's lives. He's shaking the foundations of people's lives because he wants people to turn to Jesus and be saved. Now, you might, you might think that sounds heartless, but being saved for eternity is far more important than being saved for this life. There's an eternal destiny that men and women around this world have, and we don't want them to go to, 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 go to hell, right? God doesn't want them to go to hell. And sometimes God allows the foundations of the earth to be shaken to awaken faith. That's what's going on. Because he loves people so much that he gave his only son so that they could be saved, not just from war, but for eternity. That's what God is up to. Far more than the news clips would say. Now, I follow Sky News app constantly, more than I should, because I want to be praying. But I'll tell you what, I follow the scripture more. Because God is on the throne. And I want to trust in him. It's his purposes that I want to know. Not Sky News, not the politicians, not NATO. None of these can deliver us and save us. None. Only God sits enthroned. And he mocks and scoffs, as Alison read from Psalm 2, these rulers that think they're in charge. In our groups, all of our groups, we use scripture centrally. Kingdom Tots, a, a Bible uh, story is read every week. Emerge, there's a Bible slot every week. And obviously our Sunday morning groups. We want to be Bible saturated. That's one of our values as a church. We want people to be saturated in scripture. And so we make sharing scripture and using scripture to point to Jesus absolutely central to everything we do, unapologetically. Jesus is the only hope for this world. It's what we believe, isn't it? Fifth and lastly, we aim for a response. Philip doesn't just have a conversation with the Ethiopian man about Jesus and then leave him to work it all out on his own. Philip senses that under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, this man is going to come to faith. He's ready, he's hungry to know Jesus. And so clearly, the, the Philip, the evangelist, has helped the man come to faith because Philip, sorry, the Ethiopian himself asked this. Look, here is water. This will be open with water in it soon. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And God is saying to some of you this morning, why shouldn't you be baptized? So why not? Come and talk to me. Some of you have trusted in Jesus. You haven't yet been baptized. You need to be baptized. It's a command, not an option or a choice. 
So Philip would have explained to this Ethiopian how the whole of the scriptures point to Jesus, how Jesus died for this man's sin, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the suffering servant who paid the penalty of death for his sin, and how this man needs to trust in and turn away from his sin and accept Jesus. And if he does that, he will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As he repents and turns to Jesus and receives the Holy Spirit, he should be baptized as a sign that he has trusted in Jesus. And so the, the Ethiopian naturally asks, why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip baptizes him. Notice he comes up out of the water. There's no sprinkling going on there. He comes up out of the water. So there's a lot of water and he's covered over, right? Pretty obvious. That's why we do baptism by immersion. You've got to get fully immersed when you get baptized. So you may have been sprinkled as a baby, but this is full immersion. This is believer's baptism. Now you might say, well, most people are not as close to faith as the the Ethiopian was. That's true. Um, I hope uh, Vicky doesn't mind me saying this. Vicky first wrote in the back of uh, a little um, uh, tract about Jesus. Back in 2011, Vicky prayed a prayer of faith. It's there, isn't it, Vicky? We did it in baptism class. But it's taken 11 years to you know, come to that point where she has obeyed Jesus in baptism, right? It's a journey. And we want people to come to the, you know, we want people to, we want to seal the deal with people, don't we? There comes a point where we have to challenge people who've been coming to church and to Alpha for a while. If the Holy Spirit leads us, we've got to say to people, it's time you made a commitment. Um, I'll give you a little story. I won't name names and embarrass people. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, actually, I preached in here. I went into the lounge and I had what can only be a a sense of a strong compulsion. There were two ladies sitting at the table and I felt the Holy Spirit say, it's time for these two to commit to Jesus. Right. I just preached. I wasn't in the mood. I wanted a coffee. Right. Seriously, I'm just being honest. I, I didn't want to do this. I was tired. I was I wanted coffee. The Holy Spirit said, it's now, now. So I sat down at the table and I said to these two, look, I I feel that it's time for you two to pray a prayer of commitment to Jesus. How Do you want to do it? Yeah, they said. So I got a few more people around the table and we joined hands. And right there at the coffee table, uh, amongst everyone, they prayed a prayer repenting of their sin, asking for the Holy Spirit to come in, and I'm still waiting for them to be baptized, but anyway, they came to know Jesus right there and then. There's a point at which the Holy Spirit prompts you to say to someone, look, it's time. You know, it's time. You've got to take that step of faith. We want to finish. We want to seal the deal with people, don't we? But you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. If we go charging in where angels fear to tread before someone's ready, they may flee for the hills. It's got to be the right time, but it's, and it's got to be Holy Spirit led. So let's come to church ready to have conversations with people about Jesus. Let's go out into the community, wherever we go, walking by the canal, out and about. Are you ready for a conversation about Jesus? 
because he can do it. He's at work in people's lives before you and I ever get there. Um, I'll share a little story with you. Some of you will have heard of Leighton Ford, Billy Graham's uh, uh, cousin, I believe. And he reports how a young pastor friend of him, his, was used to lead a hardened criminal in a county jail to Christ. Now, the man told this preacher, now, preacher, don't you get in a big, go getting a big head because I've accepted Christ. You're just the 25th person. On asking what that meant, the pastor was told that at least 24 others previously had already witnessed to this man and that his conversation was just the effect of all these added together. He was the 25th out of 24. Let's be a link in the chain. God is at work in people's lives, in your friends, in your work colleagues, in your family, in your neighbours. Why don't you be the 25th person or even the first person or the third person in the links in the chain? God is working in people's lives through lots and lots of different people. But don't you and I want to be a chain, a link in the chain of what God's doing in somebody? It's a journey. It's a process. It takes time. But I want to be a chain, a, a link in the chain for somebody, don't you? Philip was willing to serve. He was one of the seven who was chosen to wait on tables. He started by waiting on tables in Acts 6, right? But then he said, I'm willing to, be, I'm willing to serve one of the first deacons. And the apostles laid hands on him and prayed that the Holy Spirit would fill him. And Philip became one of the most effective evangelists in Samaria and this lovely little story with the Ethiopian. Now, we may not be an evangelist. Only 10% of Christians have a gift, they reckon, of evangelism. But we're all called to be evangelists. Maybe with a little E rather than a big E. But we're all called to bear witness to Christ, to have conversations with people. Don't bottle it. Make mistakes. Because God is bigger than your mistakes, right? Learn from your mistakes. Be willing and open to being used. And if you're willing and open to being used and making mistakes, do you know what? God's going to use you. And being used is the most exciting, thrilling experience of your life. When you start having conversations with people about Jesus, there is nothing better on this planet. It's what you're made for, to bring glory to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be those who bring glory to you. We want to be those who point people to Jesus. So, Lord, we're coming to you today and we're saying, Lord, I'm willing to be used by you. Lord, work through me to have conversations with people about Jesus. Lord, forgive our reticence forgive our reserve lord forgive the many mistakes that, that i've made and we all will make but lord you just want hearts that are willing to talk to share so lord would you start a revolution in in us your people would you fill us with your holy spirit and lord would you open doors for us to have conversations lord i pray that even today some of us would have conversations about jesus with people that we meet. Lord, give us divine appointments. Open the doors for us to talk about Jesus. 
and help us to have the sensitivity and the boldness to talk about Jesus. Lord, you want us, you're calling us on an exciting adventure of faith. So, so Lord, help us to take those bold steps to sharing you. Lord, break through any fear in our hearts, break through any reserve or reticence, and Lord, give us a desire, a desire that's greater than our fear to talk about Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us and fill us now? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.